Hey, so again, glad you're here. little question here for you this morning. How many of you have had the probably unfortunate experience of pulling clothes out of the dryer only to find that you left a Kleenex in something that had just gone through the wash? Yes? Show of hands. Or gum, or a pen, or dear heaven help us, a Sharpie. Yes? Okay, just raise your hand. Keep your hands up if that's been you. Keep your hands up. Okay, keep them up. Keep them up. Look around. The people with their hands down have never done laundry. <laughs> can I help you, somebody? Can anybody, right, can they get a hand? I mean, it's like it just happens, right? I mean, sometimes on occasion that thing happens and you got to deal with it and live with it and all that goes with it, right? But there's also a good version of that story. It's when you pull some things out of the laundry and all looks normal. There's no Kleenex. There's no ink everywhere. And the next day, you pull on some clean pants, and you slip something into your pocket, and in that pocket, you find now freshly laundered money. Yes, how many of those people in the room? Yes. And you know what's great? It doesn't even matter. Like, when you first reach in and you feel that, you hope it's like 100, right? Like, you may never even held 100 in your hand, right? But you oh, it could be 100, right? It's like, it doesn't matter. This fall, I put on some pants I hadn't worn in a little bit, and I I slipped them on, I put my hand in, and it's like, oh, the money, right? And it was only a five, but I'm still like, hey, it's a five, right? It's a $5 bill that up until that point, it, like, I owned it, right? It was my $5, but I didn't even know I had it. I'd lost track of it somewhere, didn't really realize it was still in those pants, didn't realize it had gotten dirty and needed to be washed or something, right? But it was my $5, and yet I didn't really know it. I didn't know it was, was there. And over the last few weeks, we've kind of been just gaining some understanding and experience together of something like that in our lives. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, one of the things that's true is that a lot of us live as followers of Jesus with some really good in our pocket that we're not even sure is there. And, and if somebody tells us it's there, we're not really sure what to do with it. So we just leave it in our pocket, even though it's actually for us, given to us to use and honestly to, to, to benefit from and to be strengthened by. And that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks as we've been in this series called The Helper. And, and Jesus said before he left earth, after his time on earth, he looked at his followers and said, I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you a helper. That helper is going to be my my Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. I'm going to give you my Spirit. And what happens for a lot of us is we just kind of leave the Spirit in our pocket. He's in our spiritual pocket. He's ours, and it sounds like a good idea, and he sounds like a good person when everybody's not making him creepy, but we're not really sure what to do, and so we just... We've got this idea of a person of the Holy Spirit in our pocket, but we've got a gap between what we really have and what we actually experience and what we actually live out in this life of walking with Jesus. If you're here today and you're wondering about Jesus or you're exploring or actually you don't want anything to do with Jesus, you're just here because somebody made you or you're giving a gift to somebody or something, what you kind of get is a window into just how generous Jesus really is, how eager he is to be a giver of good things, including his own spirit that he said would be a helper. And the the story of God in the scriptures goes on to describe this Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, 
is a spirit that's greater than anything we would ever encounter in life. Anything that we would bump into that, that feels like an obstacle or an oppressor or an adversary or a confusion, the spirit is greater. The spirit of God in us promises to be a spirit of of power, dynamic ability of love, both the ability to receive it and give it and a, a sound mind, the ability to think clearly and see life for what it really is, what really to see and understand this, this spiritual life we are created to live and experience. This helper who is in his very being things like love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and endurance. She said, I'm going to give you a helper who will be those things in you so you don't have to be them on your own. I'm going to give them to you in the person of my Holy Spirit. And then Jesus went so far as to say that spirit could live in you. And so we talked about what it is to, to literally be immersed or, or what the scriptures describe as baptized, like fully submerged into the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's actually him leading, him being the influencer. The invitation is for us to not be under the influence of anything else, but to be under the influence just in moment to moment, breath by breath, the spirit of the living God. And so we've just been absorbing that and doing more than just adding knowledge, but trying to say, look, how do we literally live this out? How do we experience this in our spirit? How do we live lives led by the person of the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus said, I want to give you to be a helper. And so we're going to take one more look at that. This morning, just before we do, uh, I want to give you an invite. This is very last minute. I fully understand that. Uh, but we've just felt prompted um, to offer, uh, kind of as in this season and towards the end of the series, just felt prompted to offer uh, a night of worship and prayer. And so 10 days from now, uh, on Wednesday night, May 29th, uh, right here, we're just going to do a night, we're just calling it filling, where we're going to say, let's continue just to allow ourselves to be in right postures and places to just continue to allow ourselves to be captured and immersed in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so from 7 to 8, uh, right here in this room, we're going to have a, a night of just worship and prayer. Um, we'll sing some. We'll pray some. There, there may be some stations you could move to around the room. We haven't figured it all out again. It's kind of last minute, but we just felt prompted to offer it. And so we're going we're gonna to do it. Um, everybody is welcome. So including your kids, we're not going to try and run childcare and all of those kind of things. Uh, just, just know that if you bring your kids, we're going to ask you just kind of keep them with you and in your seat with you. We're going to give everybody the best chance possible just to continue to experience this filling and this working, this presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so 10 days from now, seven to eight, hope you can come again. No, it's short notice, but we just wanted to, to put it out there for you. Because really, at the end of the day, Jesus, I want to give you a helper. And the helper wasn't like, Jesus, like, look, I'm going to give you a helper so that you can talk about him four weeks in May of 2019. Other than that, like, put a cap on this thing, okay? It's like, no, how do we actually live with and full and following the person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said he wanted to give? And so today, we're going to kind of finish this series. And in order to do it, we're we're going to kind of wrestle with what seems to be Jesus' greatest priority in actually giving us this helper, his spirit. When Jesus has come back from the dead, he's walking around as this resurrected being and he's appearing to some of his followers, there's this theme that keeps coming up. And it might shock you a little bit to, to kind of know and see what the theme is. And so we're just going to look at it together a little bit. 
In order to start that, we're going to look in the Gospel of John. John's kind of early in the Newer Testament of the Bible. If you've got a worship center Bible or something, we're actually going to start on page 756. 756. And we're going to jump into the middle of a chapter, John chapter 20, what we have as a chapter. And John, this disciple so intimately close to Jesus, he's sharing some of what happens following Jesus' resurrection. He's sharing some of the conversation that Jesus has with his followers. And this is, this is what we find. John chapter 20. We're going to start reading in verse 18. So it's kind of middle of a story. If you've got a Blue Worship Center Bible, page 756, the right-hand column, most of the way down. This is what it says. Mary Magdalene, who was one of the first women to, to know that Jesus was resurrected. Well, she goes and she finds the disciples and she says the news. I've seen the Lord. I've seen the one that, oh, by the way, most of you walked away from while he was in his time of greatest need. I've seen the Lord. He wasn't in the tomb. And she told them that he had said these things to her. And she's been relaying this conversation that he wants to be with you. He wants to see you. He's, he's got things to share with you. And on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, because remember, they've just spent the last three years of their life following somebody that has now been crucified because he was viewed as a threat. So they're trying to protect themselves here a little bit. So they've got the the door locked, and yet somehow Jesus shows up in the room. He came, and he stood among them, and he said to them, in all of their confusion, all their uncertainty, all their anxiety, all their fear, the deepest levels, things that were perplexing them, of their shame, of their guilt, of maybe their embarrassment, he stands in the room, and the first thing he says, so good, and the first thing he says, man, just peace to you guys, peace. Just calmness, settledness. I know, just, just let your heart be right again. It's okay. And I, I, don't, I don't know what you, you walked in here with today. I don't know what your week has been like. I don't know what this, this year has been like for you already. But maybe that's all you need to hear today. It's just, Jesus, look at the chaos of your life or the chaos of your soul or the weight in which you're carrying or the sin which you are stuck in. And to be reminded that the first thing he says when he gets in the room, just, just peace, just peace to you. Just peace to you. Calmness to your soul. Settledness to your soul. I love that about Jesus. I love that he leads with that. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. What kind of experience was that, huh? The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus says, a peace be with you. And then he says this phrase, as the Father sent me, I'm, I'm sending you. As the Father sent me, well, how'd the Father send Jesus? Jesus said, the Father sent me to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, the Father sent me to be one who sometimes might feel like he's leaving the 99 to go get the one who doesn't yet know me. Jesus came to give up his life as a ransom for people. Jesus was sent out of love, but with a mission to reach people who didn't yet know him and didn't fully understand how to live in the bigness of the love of God. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, as the Father sent me, 
I'm not sending you to do a cute church thing. I'm not sending you to sing a few songs until it makes you feel warm and fuzzy and you can go home with a good feeling in your stomach. I'm not sending you to have four really good friends and ignore the rest of the world. I'm not sending you to do that. I am sending you as the Father sent me. I'm sending you with the same love, energy, purpose the Father sent me to tell the story of his grace to share the fullness of his love with the people around you. I'm sending you. And he knows that's a big task, so he he follows it up with this. He he says, and with that, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive, be marked by the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, then, then they're not forgiven. Jesus is really getting at this reality of, look, if you're forgiven, if you rest in your forgiveness, you will naturally be forgiving people, and that will be the way they experience my forgiveness. Now, don't get too hot, caught up on this breathe on thing. Don't get freaked out that Jesus breathed on them. We're like, what do you mean he breathed on them? Like, that's what we do to check each other's breath in the morning at our house, right, before we leave. Did you brush your teeth? Yeah, I don't believe you. Breathe on me, right? It's not what Jesus is doing. I'm sure resurrected breath smelt great. I mean, right? Jesus is is like breathing on them. And and for the disciples, right, who fully understand the history of God and creation, do you know where their mind goes? Their mind instantly goes back to God creating humanity all the way back in the garden, which in the story of God is the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. And how did God, how did God give life to Adam? He breathed into him. He breathed his life and his spirit into him. And Jesus is like, look, I took a cross, which means I took your sin. I took your sickness. I took your junk. I took your shame. I took your heartache, your disappointment. I took your failure. I took your broken dream. I took all of that. I absorbed it. I beat it. I'm back from the dead. And I did all that so that you could be restored to the life you were originally created to live. So I'm breathing, like, it's all, like, it all connects, right? It's one story. And so Jesus breathes and says, man, receive the Spirit, because it's the Spirit who's going to literally be life in you. Life in you. Now, you see, here's the risk. If we, keep the, if we keep the $5 in our pocket and we don't act like we own it and we don't act like it's ours, we're actually missing out on the one who is literally life in us. She said, I'm giving you my spirit because the Father, he sent me, to, he sent me to, to love people, to invite people into relationship with me, to invite people into grace and forgiveness. And that's how I'm sending you. I'm sending you with that purpose. That is the singular purpose. I'm sending you for that. And you're going to serve people to help that. And you're going to heal people to help that. And you're gonna... But that's the aim. Now, just in your Bible, you might just turn one page, okay, uh, just to a new letter. It's called Acts, and it's written by a guy named Luke, who also wrote one of the Gospels. And Luke is writing a second letter to his friend, really trying to explain who Jesus is. He's trying to help him see, man, this is a real thing. Jesus is a real person. There's real movement. And this is what he says to him in the beginning of Acts. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God, about living right with him, about walking in joy, about living with peace. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, immersed you with water, but in a few days you're going to be immersed, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, hey, Lord, um, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They're like, they're still confused a little bit. They're like, hey, okay, you're going to give us the spirit. Does that mean you're going to overthrow Rome? Because we've been really looking for a long time to get out from underneath Rome's hand. Okay, they're not quite there all the way. Verse 7, he said to them, look, don't, don't even worry about that. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But then verse 8, one of the greatest promises that we just leave in our pocket, we think it's too good to be true or doesn't apply to us or doesn't count for us. But listen, Jesus says to them, but instead of worrying about all that, who's going to get overthrown? You will receive power. Will you just say the word power? You will receive what? Supernatural, dynamic, holy ability. God-given ability to do God-shaped things that we just can't do on our own. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, baptizes you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, look, you're going to receive power and you will be, look, it's one of the greatest promises ever. Do you hear the tone in that? Not you have to be or you stinking better be, but man, you get to be. You get to be my way. You get to be the evidence of my life. My Holy Spirit's going to be so dynamic in you that you will be the evidence of my life on the earth. You will be the representative of my life on the earth. Jesus saying, look, I'm going to involve you in the most supernatural activity on the earth. You will be my witness. And what's fascinating there is he didn't say, I'm going to give you five more lessons and then you'll be ready. They had had the greatest teaching anybody's ever had for three years. And when times got tough, they bolted. Epic failure. He says, you don't need another teaching. I'm going to give you my spirit. That's the difference maker. That's the difference maker. So what is this power? How does it play out? Let's, let's just talk about it a little bit because power can be a little weird for us, right? Even the word power, right? We, we live in a culture where we kind of worship at the altar of knowledge. And the, the result of that is that a lot of times we just leave the idea of power or supernatural ability alongside the road somewhere. Well, let's pick it back up because it's not our idea, it's his. Let's pick it back up. And what does it actually mean? When the Holy Spirit is power, it's power to do a few things. The first one is just the power to love. It's the power to love. Remember when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I'm sending you like the Father sent me? We sent him to reach people, but how did he send him? He sent him motivated by love. Remember the most famous first of all, John three sixteen, right? For God so, right? What's the next word? For God so what? Oh man, look, we all know that, right? He loved, love was the motivator, so if we're going to be his witnesses, doesn't it stand to reason we would have to be marked by love, right? We'd have to be marked by love. Now, um, I, I mean, I think we're all on the same page here, right? Some people that we share life with, some of them are just easier to love than others, right? It's okay. We should just admit it. Some people are a little more challenging to love, right? Some of you, after the morning you had, you're sitting next to somebody that feels a little more challenging to love, right? There's more space between the seats today. Right? It's just hard sometimes, right? And yet the good news is, it's like, no, I'm going to give you my spirit, which will be the power to love. What's the power to do? What it's really the power just to keep remembering and experiencing the work of Jesus in our lives. 
one of the litmus tests for me, and it's just kind of sometimes how I know, like what's the condition and trajectory of my soul? If I'm finding it really hard to love people, I know I don't need to try harder to love people. I need to settle back into how God already loves me. That's always the motivator, right? That's always the motivator. I said, how, how, how do we do it? I just want to take you one place. This is not going to be on the screen. I just want you to hear it. Um, the overachievers among us will start turning in their Bibles. But just hear this from Psalm 103. I love this because it's this picture of the work of Jesus and his death and resurrection and what he brings. The psalmist David writes this. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. Like he's telling his soul, we are going to praise and make much of God. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And then check this out. Forget not all his benefits. Can I just ask you a question? If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, does your life with Jesus feel like it's marked by benefits or weird and empty obligations in which you hope sometime you get a paycheck for? It's almost like, no, man, there's all these benefits to like life with Jesus. Check them out. Listen, it says, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your sins, diseases. Same verse, both just as true. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your deepest desires with good things so that your youth is actually renewed like an eagle. It's like, like if you ever get soul tired, one of the, the best things to do is just come back and and review the gifts of God in your life. When's the last time you just rehearsed the depths of God's forgiveness towards you? Not to live in the, the shame of remembering what we've done, but to live in the beauty of remember it's been, of acknowledging it's been removed from us. When's the last time we just sat and said, wait a minute, at the end of the day, God's my healer. That's my healer. And we just said, yes, okay, like yes to that. When's the last time we just, we just sat and said, you know what, I'm crowned with love and compassion. We don't live in a, in a culture where we wear crowns much. I mean, I, at least not after you're like six years old, I think, but right? But this idea of being work, when we're crowned with something, it's the, it's the most noticeable thing. It's what people notice first. It's what tells people are standing, Right? Psalmist says, man, God has crowned me with love and compassion. My standing is one of love and a life marked by compassion. When's the last time we just sat down and we paused enough to say, look, these are all of the ways that I've already experienced God loving me or expressing compassion to me. Or these are all of the ways, I don't even know if I've experienced them yet, but I read in the story that these are things he promised me. And a couple of things happen. We, we do this. We sit in it a little bit and a couple of things happen. One, our soul gets energy again. It gets vitality again, right? And two, we find ourselves with the power to live that kind of love. We're living what we're experiencing. It naturally starts to find its way out of us because it's been led and shaped by the person of the Holy Spirit. I give you the power to love the easiest person and the most difficult person. And when we have the power to love, what we quickly start to find is we get the power to listen. We get the power to listen. 
See, here's the thing. Like, um, we just happen to live in a day and age where most people are leading with an agenda. Most people are leading with an agenda or an opinion. It's almost just, it's almost just our reflex anymore. And yet love seems to start with listening more times than not. I don't, I don't know if we, we I, don't, I, I don't think we need any more agendas. What, what if we just needed the power to listen, to actually hear people's stories and to hear what's behind the agenda that they're leaning into, whatever that is, whatever cause or whatever life adventure it is. One person, um, one person recently said to me, uh, hey, in kind of this weird time of, of my life, um, you, you have loved me well, and I'm thankful for that. And I hadn't really thought about it in, in, until the moment. But I think at the end of the day, what, all they really meant was you just listened. You just listened. And it hasn't been that I haven't shared opinions. I, ha- I have shared opinions, but you just listened. And can I, just, can I just be super honest with you, just, just us? There's been a lot of it I haven't wanted to listen to. It's been a lot of it. I got a lot of things I want to say. <laughs> but there's something about it when we're in it and we love people and we're, and we're empowered by the Spirit to love people. There, we also pick up this supernatural ability to listen. And when we listen long enough, we start to hear hurt. We start to hear the core of a person's pain or a person's boredom or a person's blah with life or a person's longing. If we listen long enough, we actually start to get through all the layers and we actually, we actually get to hear. And it's when we find that, when we find that pain or that boredom or that blah, that's where we actually see Jesus trying to do something. That's where Jesus is trying to share his love with them. Because it's where he shared it with us. When we rehearse our own story, the Psalm 103 journey, we oh yeah, Jesus met me in my point of need. He met me in some of my pain. He met me in my confusion. He, he met me in my desire to live for an adventure or something worth something bigger than me. So he gives us the power to love so that we can have the power to listen. And then eventually there is a time for the power to tell. Eventually there's a time to have the power to tell. A guy named Paul, several chapters later in Acts, He's in this place called Athens and he's talking to people in the synagogues and in the marketplace and he's doing a lot of talking. He's doing a lot of listening. And we find this, that, that he says to them at one point in the, kind of this mass gathering, he says, I perceive, I perceive like I've picked up that you're a spiritual people. Like, well, how did he pick it up? Because he was listening. He was listening to words. He was listening to actions. He was, he was listening to what was going on in the culture. He had been walking around where they had all these gods labeled, and they even had a label for the unknown God. They just wanted to try and make that sure they had all the bases covered. Right? And so Paul's listening. And so then when he starts to talk, there's this deep resonance with their souls that just connects, and he begins to explain and put in front of them the person of Jesus. There's he loved them. He engaged with them. He sat alongside them. He served them. He listened to them, both what they said verbally and not verbally, and what they said with their culture. And then there was a time that he, he had the power to tell. Same is true for you and me. Probably three or four years ago, I met a guy um, who at the time was, was 
was not a follower of Jesus, honestly didn't want anything to do with Jesus. He had an okay life. He had a wife, had some kids. He, he had a job that he was great with, and uh, he pretty independent guy. He was kind of shoulder down, making his own way, and that was good for him. Even though it wasn't perfect, he's kind of like everybody, right? We, we all have some things that are great, and we all have some things that just don't seem to be working. And that was, that was this guy when I met him. And what was fascinating to watch is that over a period of time, he somehow just ended up interacting with a bunch of people who happened to be followers of Jesus. And these followers of Jesus just were all in very different ways, in different pockets, in different lengths of time. We just got to start loving this guy. And we got to start listening. And we listened to a lot. Some people listened to lots. It's not just dreams and disappointments and hopes and fun and what was great and hobbies and right the whole thing. Right? Just listened. And eventually... Things began to shift, and there was just a time to tell. And people began to talk to him about the person of Jesus. He began to ask more questions about how Jesus really would satisfy. And he began to talk about having fears of what it would be like to actually follow Jesus. And over the course of time, he just reaches this place where he says, wait a minute, I, I need this Jesus. And for what for him was ended up being a very dramatic moment he surrenders his life to Jesus. Soon on the heels of that, his, his wife and some of his kids surrender their life to Jesus. He, he picks up very quickly that, wait a minute, the same Jesus that came for me came for all the people around me. And so he starts, he starts living sent with more and more of his family and people that he's working with and people he lives near. Right? All because some other people were willing to live sent in his life. All because some other people were willing to just walk full of the Holy Spirit with the power to love and the power to listen and the power to tell. And here's the thing. Those disciples, all of us who happen to be in this guy's life that I just told you about, we all could have opted out. We could have opted out. It feels hard to think that any of the disciples left were going to opt out. I mean, they're, they're now walking around with a resurrected guy. That's usually pretty convincing, okay? But they could have. Jesus has never forced anybody. But he says, look, I am sending you. This is how I want you to live. I'm sending you just in the same way the Father sent me. And so we get left with this question. Like, and the question is, would we live that way? Would we receive that? Would we receive that invitation to live full of the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could live in the promise that we would be his witness, that we would be his evidence of life on the earth? So it's the question, it's the question you and I have to answer. We've got to answer it today. We get to answer it tomorrow, or we get to answer it five years from now. We get to answer it ten years from now. As long as we're on the earth, we get to answer this question. Yes, Jesus, I'll live sent. Yes, I'll live sent. I will so rehearse your work in my life that the natural result is that in the power of your spirit, I'll love, I'll listen, I'll tell. How would I do anything different? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll live sent. So here's, here's what I want to ask. Would you answer that today? Would you answer it that way? Would you look back at Jesus? Would you hear him say, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, call you by name, send you, and say yes, yes to living sent. Yes to living, yes, Jesus. 
because I get to, not because I have to, because it's a promise, not an obligation, because it's an opportunity, not something I've been guilted into. Yes, I'll live sent. I'll live sent with the people that I live with and around. I will live sent to the places that I go for work and the places that I go uh, in my neighborhood, the places I go to shop. And I will live sent in the places where I express my passions and my hobbies and what I do for fun. Ah, yes, Jesus, I will live sent there. See, for a lot of us, this is, this is where for the very first time we tap into Jesus' excitement. For the very first time, we tap into why life on the earth is still exciting. Because we get to live for more than hanging on. We get to live for more than a holy huddle. We get to live for, for something bigger than, than just our four and no more. We get to live with the same sentness that Jesus himself did in getting to us. So would you say, yes, let's pray on it for just, just a minute. Jesus, um, we would absolutely uh, acknowledge to you that there's a lot of times in our life we've got to rehearse the gospel to ourselves. We've got to keep telling ourselves. We've got to keep being amazed by the fact that you forgive us and you forgave us. I'm, ama- I'm still amazed at both the amount and the depth of what you've forgiven me for. I don't even have a way to describe the volume of your forgiveness in my direction. And I say to you, Jesus, I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't want us to ever take it for granted. Thank you for graciousness, eagerness to forgive us. Thank you for compassion. Thank you for literally putting love on our head. Thank you that the same spirit that you breathed on the disciples is the same spirit that you used to literally pour out your love in our hearts so it was overflowing. Thanks for it. Jesus, our only response is to say, yes, of course, we want to do everything you invite us into. We don't want to leave anything in the pocket. We want want, want to walk in everything you invite us to. So yes to living sent. Yes to living sent as an individual. Yes to living sent as families and in groups of friends. Yes to living sent as the people who are the church. Yes to living sent tomorrow when we go to work, today when we go into our neighborhoods, wherever we stop, wherever we buy something. Yes to whatever hobby we're in, whatever team that we're on. Of course, empowered by you and your love. Yes, Holy Spirit. Thanks for it, and thanks for the opportunities of it. Thanks that you would include us in something exciting and adventure-filled. It's part of why we love you. We say yes to you when we pray these things, Jesus, in response to your compassion and goodness. Amen. Amen, everybody? Here's the thing. Um, Hey, look at me for a minute. Look, 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 look. Um, Can I tell you what happens whenever we, we talk about this? Um, and some of you are wrestling with it right now. Um, it, it doesn't feel the same as God wants to heal your hurt. Okay? Which is very true. God wants to heal your hurt. <laughs> okay? Today. Some of you, God wants to heal your hurt today. But it doesn't feel that. It doesn't feel as good. Part of the reason it doesn't feel as good is because, um, I want to say this carefully, but it's because living scent is far more opposed by the very real enemy of God.
You can have your hurt healed, and I believe God wants to heal your hurt and never make a bigger difference in the world because you thought your healing was only about you. And so when our feeling doesn't come with us enough, let's, let's just put that feeling aside for a minute and let's just, let's just walk out with this reality. Jesus promised me his very own spirit, the spirit of the living God and all that goes with that, as mind-blowing as that is and should be, including his power to be his witness.